And a good morning, everybody, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Upfront Program. On Tuesdays, when there's a council meeting the night before, we usually have a council member in studio with us. Today is no exception. Denise Sierra is comfortably uh, taking a seat here, and we'll be uh, chatting with her about uh, last night's city council meeting. And also, we're going to uh, remind you that uh, we have some good programming coming up in the next couple of days here on WNRI, so stay right along with us. So, Denise, I thought we would um, start with the question that uh, I'm asking so many of the people because I'm trying to get an idea of who is going to be on the ballot when we vote in November. So have you uh, have you given any thought to uh, running for re-election? Uh, I think that's a pretty fair question. Fair question, I believe so. Mm-hmm. You believe so? I do. I mean, there's always a question, Roger. Let's be honest. It's a huge commitment, and you take a lot of, you know, gruff. <laughs> yeah, that's for <laughs> so sure. I, I think if you don't weigh it, Mm-hmm. You, there's something wrong with you, you know, especially at this point in life. I mean, Brooke is out of the house. It's just Tony and I. So, yeah, of course, we, we talk about it. But ultimately, my, I have a, a strong commitment to my community. And as long as I'm in Winsocket, I'd like to serve it. Well, we thank you for doing that. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is that uh, the uh, situation has changed the dynamics mm-hmm. of conducting meetings and also probably um, running for, for re-election because um, – I have a feeling that even though things might be lifted, let's say in July, maybe uh, somebody uh, knocking on your door uh, to hand out a you know an election brochure or something, they might be a little more reluctant to receive visitors. Well, I think we're all thinking about how we're going to do this. Obviously, social media is the number one outlet to be able to go to, and that's already started. Uh, but I, I think, um, you know, I'll be going door to door and have a mask on and, and everything else that, that is required at that point in time. But that really is the way to reach constituents one-on-one, and, and they get to ask you everything that they want to ask you. It's a very important part of the process. Well, I, I do believe door-to-door campaigning is... Uh is the thing that gets uh, people yeah. over the top. Uh, you it's know, ground game. She yeah. came and said hello to me. <laughs> exactly. And they remember your face. They remember mm-hmm. what, you, what you said as opposed to just leaving, you know, literature or, or posting your, your thing on Facebook, your message. All right. Well, mm-hmm. let's talk about last night's city council yeah. meeting. And first of all, is this the shortest city council meeting on record for, for you? Oh, no. We've had shorter. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. We've had shorter than this. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It was pretty short last mm-hmm. night, though. How long would you estimate the the meeting uh, going? Um, would last you, night? Yeah, I think it was what twenty three minutes. Maybe twenty three minutes. If then, that, uh-huh. when I looked at the clock, when I got to my living my dining room, it was twenty three minutes past seven. So it could have been give or take five minutes. Council member David Susie was absent, so therefore the votes were six to nothing. I think all of them were six to nothing. Right? All of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, the purpose of our program, uh, so that we meet our guidelines here, is to review what happened to the city council meeting. We're going to do that. Uh, I don't sure. think it's going to take very long, but we're going to do it, and then we'll uh, jump to uh, to some other things. I usually say to our, our guests, when you look at all the things that you passed on a six-to-nothing vote, mm-hmm. what uh, which one is the headline story out of it? Because a lot of it uh, looked pretty routine to me. It is pretty routine. Uh, well, I... I am a little biased, so I'm going to tell you that the restaurant legislation stuck out most to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one I was most interested in seeing, you know, helping out. 
Well, tell me, what is the restaurant legislation that you wrote, proposed, and had passed last night, and how, to, and how well, does it work, and how to get inspired? That was the, there was two pieces, actually, that passed last night. Um, 2020, which was the allowance of restaurants to uh, open up on city sidewalks, was a second pass last night, 6 to 0. Um, and then there was uh, my legislation, which passed also last night on 6 to 0, um, which basically lifted the liquor licensing fees. The first piece, 2020, that was the first piece of legislation that passed second time. And what that does is it allows restaurants to serve on city sidewalks. One thing that restaurants have always had permission to do, which I think gets a little skewed in for people that are reading this new legislation, restaurants have always had the right to have outdoor dining on their property. The, we don't. You didn't need special permission for that. When I ran the burrito company, I had outdoor dining on my patio. I had no red tape to jump through. It was my property. My liquor license is extended to my property. Where the red tape comes in is if you want to dine on city property, city sidewalks, city streets, so on and so forth. So this 2020 legislated the right for restaurants to dine on city sidewalks and in city parking lots. For example, Fazzini's could have always opened up dining in their in their parking lot. Yes, they would have to abide by certain rules, maybe close down by 10, so things of that nature. But they've always had that right. It's private property. So this, this piece of legislation, like I said, allows them to go on to city property. That was 2020. And my legislation that I introduced last night and passed was um, relief for all restaurants. See, most the, the restaurants that would benefit from 2020 are restaurants that don't have um, a parking lot that they can use or land that they can use, such as uh, K's or Christopher's. They don't really have space to dine outside. River Falls has space to dine outside, so that piece of legislation didn't really effectively do much for them. It doesn't do much for Bocce. It doesn't do much for Fazzini's. It doesn't do much for Pomodoro's or, or Ciro's. Those places already have that. So what it what that legislation does was allow K's and Christopher's and um, um, yield English Fish and Chip, but I think they own the back, the parking lot in the back as well, so I think that they could have went there. Maybe New York lunch if they wanted to set up a couple tables on their sidewalk. This is what that allows. I was interested in writing a piece of legislation that helped all restaurants, all bars, restaurants, etc., anyone that held a liquor license, because I feel like in, in this world, we're picking and choosing winners and losers, and I didn't. I wanted something that helped everyone, so that's why I put this together. So what it does is, when people go to renew their liquor licenses in November, um, the deadline is December first for liquor licenses. So it's a big bill for a restaurant to pay. It's a thousand dollars a year on top of everything else you pay for your liquor license. So what will happen this year when these establishments go to pay for their liquor license? What they will hopefully they bring a check. They present the check to the city clerk, and the city, and all they have to do is ask for a refund, and they will give 
that check will be given back to them, which essentially zeroes out their liquor license bill. If they bring cash, that's going to be a different story because the city will have to deposit it and then issue a check back to them. So we prefer that you bring a check. It makes life easier. You also still have to pay for the um, advertising fee, which is $40. It's just the liquor licensing fee, whether you pay the $100, $500, or $250. Depending on what what kind of license you have, you pay a different fee. The full liquor license is, is a grand. So that's what that piece of legislation did, and I'm I'm so thrilled. There was, like, no bumps. Everybody said, yep, let's go. This is great. So I, I was really happy for that because I do feel it's real help. It's substantial. In interviewing uh, Denise Sierra uh, on this program as it relates to restaurants, I can ask her some hypothetical restaurant questions. She doesn't have to worry about repercussions. No, I don't. Because <laughs> she's not in the restaurant business anymore. Would you... Um, have survived, uh, I'm not, I think I'll, I'll, I'll be a little more uh, uh, direct. Would you have participated in outdoor dining at this particular point if you were running the burrito company? You have that little patio there. I ate on it a few times myself. Um, or would you have waited for the, uh, the bigger enchilada to arrive, which would be uh, inside dining? And would you have participated in takeout? Or would you have closed the place down? That's a very interesting question. Um, First, there is no way. uh, It would be a miracle if any of these restaurants can survive on one-third of their business. In the restaurant industry, you can barely survive on 100% of your business. The profit margin is so narrow. It isn't really like any other animal. So um, I don't know how that's going to work. And in... From first-hand experience, dining outside and taking your show on the road is no joke. You have to have a whole different set of dinnerware, a whole different... um, a whole different setup, essentially. When you're used to having an indoor dining establishment and you take it outside, there's a lot of provisions that have to be made to that regard. I don't, I don't know how, they, I, how they're going to do it um, if they haven't already been participatory in outdoor dining. Um, would I have... Uh, no. I, I, I Honestly, Tony and I have had many discussions about this, and we would have been 14 to 15 years in at this point, and the answer, unfortunately, is, and many people might not want to hear this, um, we would not have reopened our business. It's, it's too difficult. It's too difficult to get started and build a name and reputation. It takes three to four years, especially in this city, which, um, you know, has its challenges. It's not uh, Barrington or even Providence as far as a culinary um, environment. So the answer is more than, no, I don't think we would have reopened. It's essentially starting over. And it's too difficult. It's too big of a sacrifice. So I don't think we would have done that. I think we would have tried to, to do takeout and paid the bills that were still coming in even though the place was closed and sold off our stuff, you know. Uh, because the bills don't stop. I mean, the government shut down the restaurants in February, but guess what? December and January's bills are still coming in, and they're big. How do you pay them? You're always behind the eight ball in the restaurant industry. When you open up your door on Tuesday or whatever day it is, you're you're negative. You're in the neg. You're in the, you're in arrears. All your income is derived from three days a week, pretty much. The bulk of your income: Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So can we say that uh, your explanation just now ex- uh, explains why um, you introduced the legislation to 
uh, have the liquor license, uh, shall we say, refunded yeah. just to give them a little help. Help. Well, it's a big help, especially mm-hmm. if you pay a thousand dollars. That's mm-hmm. like a that's a good percentage off. Let's say your your tax. Mm-hmm. Your that's a big portion. And yes, it's introduced for that because I feel as though if we're going to project for it. Uh, let's let's think about what these restaurants are going to look like in September, October, and November. I pray to God they're open at full capacity at that point. I pray because that's when the real the the real uh, difficult time comes in when they're starting to reestablish themselves and trying to rebuild the business they had. Mm-hmm. That it's not we're not going to open the doors and it's not going to magically. Uh, reappear as it was back in, in November and December. It's it, that that's not going to happen. They ha- there has to be legislation put in place that helps these people during the most vulnerable time, which is coming up when they reopen, when they're allowed to reopen at whatever capacity they're allowed to reopen at. To our listener who has a question about Mr. Luber, we're going to get to Mr. Luber later in the program, and. Uh... Um, and and get to that. But right now we're just finishing up uh, the city council stuff and the restaurant stuff. So um, I think you've explained <clears throat> what would happen, what would have happened to the burrito company mm-hmm. in these circumstances. So here we are uh, today. River Falls is really the only one that I can say uh, as of Tuesday today uh, where you could actually go down there and and dine outside. Mm-hmm. They're all set up for it. They got the beautiful yeah. uh, thing. Mm-hmm. My question to you, um, being in the restaurant business, knowing um, the sanitation procedures in restaurants and so forth, would you and your husband um, go to outside dining under these circumstances, or would you uh, would you wait until? Uh, oh no, absolutely, we would go. You would go. The restaurant industry is already trained for this. We already. We already have all our licensing in place, all our training in place. We we know how to deal with virus. I mean, if you you remember Norwalk, which went ripped through the restaurant industry, I think late in the late nineties, that that kind of maybe even early, I'm probably dating myself, but um, I remember Norwalk virus, which was a huge concern for the restaurant industry, and that's when the Board of Health instituted a, a lot more restrictions, and we had to learn how to deal with this and get certified. So we're I don't worry about that. I know that they're already all doing the right thing, at least the restaurants I go to. <laughs> so you would consider outside dining? Oh, yeah. I would consider point. indoor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I would. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, just wanted to see if somebody who uh, was in the in- industry so long uh, would yep. um, have any reservations about that. None. None whatsoever. If you've got a certified chef back there and a certified manager, I have no issues with that. I have one more question for you in the restaurant uh, industry. Um, and that concerns the uh, actions of the governor concerning the restaurant mm. industry. I could never understand, and I explained this to Dave LaHousse, uh, and I, I was talking to John Chan yesterday about it. I can never understand why um, they, if they're going to let outside dining take place, why can't you do it inside with air conditioning systems and 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 especially restaurants that have a lot of seating capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thinking of River Falls, and I'm thinking, of, well, I'm thinking of a whole bunch of them. They have plenty of seats. Look at Bocce. Yeah, the Bocce. You, you could right. see people six feet, of, eight, eight right. feet apart there and be fine. It's when you walk 200. in there, the fire code says yeah. uh, this uh, restaurant is certified for 463 people. Yep. I think you could find room spread, a, spread a, around He doesn't need to go place. outside. He has plenty of space. So, yeah. Did you? What did you think of that rule? I think it's ridiculous, and I think it's the government picking winners and losers. 
It's decimated the restaurant industry, the hair salons. Um, I think that that, it, it makes no sense to me. None whatsoever. Why you can't have indoor dining when you have a 20,000 square foot restaurant or a 10,000 square foot restaurant. I, so you haven't figured out a reason why they did it then? It's like I say, I mean, you're picking industries that you want to win. Mm-hmm. All right. So much for the restaurant uh, industry. Just finishing off on the uh, on the city council meeting. Uh, looks like we're rehiring the same trash, um, or what we call solid waste company, as before. Yes. Yes. Um, a good waste deal management. for us. Very good deal. It, it's not the least expensive that came in bid wise. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. But when you when you take a look at the analysis that Mike, do you, I, I always mess up his name. De Bruyne, I hope I said that right, mm-hmm. um, provided for us, you can easily see that the, there's value there. There's value there with waste management. So it, it's like I, I, you liken it to doing you know business with somebody for a, a couple decades. If you know your service is good, hey, they may not be the cheapest on the block, but they provide the best service. And in the long run, that's the least expensive route. Do you know how long that contract was for and how much it was for? I don't have it in front of me right mm-hmm. now, Roger. I'm sorry. I just brought... And it doesn't state it in last night. I don't want to miss mm-hmm. misquote. All right. Well, anyway, the point is that we've hired the same company. Yep. I see them go by my house every Wednesday. Uh, they're efficient. They're always there on the yep. day that it should be. And um, I like what they do. So I'm all for it. If uh looks like the council was all for it, too. Absolutely. All right. Uh, looking at this agenda, do you see anything else that you would uh, like to uh, comment on that uh, is worth um, mentioning? Well, no, I mean, obviously we all know we're going into budget talks, so all the um, the financials were tabled, the, those um, ordinances. No, not really. I think everything is pretty straightforward. It was a little bit uneventful. Now, uh, talking about that uh, budget, um, you have to table it for the public hearing, hearing. Yep. but have you seen, do you have a copy of the budget? Yes. Yep. We got it uh, late, the Thursday, I believe, of last week. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to look at it. Um, yeah. Were you surprised that the mayor is proposing a a um, decrease when, uh, or is this uh, just an election year election. Type, type of thing? Um, no, I'm not surprised at all. It's an election year. Of course, there's going to be a decrease in taxes no matter what. I know it's a modest 1%. I was happy to see it went to the commercial sector as well. Um, it's modest, but I mean, it's probably what she could scrape out. So I get it. Everybody wants, she wants to be reelected. Of course, she wants to put put out a, a decrease in taxes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the bud that's that's the backbone of our community, the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you, but you. I hope we're all studying it. It'd be a shame. I've been delved into it a whole a whole bunch. You know, I've just kind of perused it at this point. Um, but yeah, like and like everyone else, I'm going to be looking to see where we can we can make cuts. I'm very conservative when it comes to spending. Um, I do think that there's no other choice but to put out a somewhat conservative budget in economic and an economic climate that we have today, you know, as such. So it, it, I don't know that there's going to be a whole lot of fat in it, but I'm, we're all looking for the fat. Is there any uh, – did you see anything in the budget that indicates um, that the, the mayor expects to get some – Federal dollars from the stimulus package trickling down to us. Is there a, is there a line in there for that, or will that be a windfall if in fact it comes? I think it'll be a windfall if it comes. Um, I haven't really seen that portion of it, Roger. I just started to look through it. I, I'm still working five days a week, so you know I don't have as much time on my hands as 
most people do at this point in time. But um, I have just started to take a look through it. I haven't really scrutinized it to that degree. But I will. When we come back from the break, we're going to uh, have a question on Mr. Luber that a listener All sent right. in. I'm going to print it for you while we're on our break so you can study it in detail. <laughs> and then, Is it a 20-part uh, question, Roger? Uh, well, it's... Um, it's not exactly the shortest uh, email oh, okay. I've seen in my life, but um, <laughs> but I'll show it to you anyway. All right. Back in a moment. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's a church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. The wastewater treatment plant of the city of Woonsocket is reminding customers not to flush wipes of any kind into the system. And although the packaging might say flushable, they should never be flushed down the toilet. Only flush the three P's, poop, pee, and paper. Flushable wipes are not truly flushable. They might go down, but they do not break up like regular toilet paper. If you do use paper towels or wipes, throw them into your trash cans. Remember, wipes of any kind can clog our sewer systems and even harm your home's plumbing. The practice of flushing wipes is causing problems at the treatment plant and unnecessary expenses to the city of Woonsocket. This announcement presented by the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm announces, while we have paused in-store shopping for now, we have curbside pickup daily during our regular business hours, Monday through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Milk, cream, eggs, cheese, bread, ice cream, cakes, and more than 70 of your favorite bakery items are available every day for pickup. There are three ways to order. One by phone, call the farm at 401-767-3014, extension 4, to place your order. Pay by credit card and select a pickup day and time. Two, on-site. Order from your car, online or over the phone. Wait in your vehicle while our team in real time fills your order. Wait times may vary. And number three, to view our current menu and place an order online or to view frequently asked questions, go to rightsdairyfarm.com. Stay safe while we work through these unusual times. This message from Wright's Bakery and Dairy Farm, North Smithfield. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. The panel has reconvened here in the studio. This is the Upfront program. Our guest today is a, a member of the um, Woonsocket City Council. Her name is uh, Denise Sierra. And uh, we're uh, asking her some questions. Uh, here's an email from a listener who just came in. You didn't see this one, it says, uh, but I think you're going to be... This is going to be an easy one here. <laughs> Thank for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> How is the animal shelter doing any news on that? And also uh, the dog park, asks a listener. Um, yeah, two things. Uh, the, the dog park, I'm not quite sure on that. I'm going to be taking a look at our budget package to see what's in there regarding that specifically. Um, in the animal shelter, yes. 
we just well the first meeting that we we went um, electronic was the second passing of the subcommittee for the animal shelter. So right now I am in the process of putting that together, which is quite exciting. Um, so we're moving along as fast as we can to that regard, and unfortunately uh, everything had been kind of put on hold and delayed because all non-essential business uh, was not allowed to be put on the agenda up until uh, the last not this past Monday's council meeting, but the Monday prior to that. So uh, we're moving it along, and it unfortunately is at a snail's pace. Hopefully it'll pick up. Um, and uh, I'm looking to put together a committee so that we can analyze whether or not we really need a new animal shelter. Do you think uh, you... No, I've said that a thousand times. Mm-hmm. I would like to invest in the one we currently have. I like. I like. I have no issues where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just need to put some more money into it and kind of redefine it so that it can become more financially, you know, not a financial draw on our budget and also provide extended services to our community. Thank you for your email on the dog park and shelter. And now from another question, uh, I believe the whole COVID thing is greatly exaggerated, writes our emailer, as well as the governor's reaction to it. Would she, referring to... um, you, Denise, support a restaurant opening up against orders and resuming normal operations. And I say this in the context of one of the people I was talking to yesterday says that there may be a uh, coalition of uh, restaurants that uh, just may open on force, like a hundred of them, and say, um, what are you going to do about this? Anyway, your comment on this one. Okay, well, here goes. Um, Yes, I would open up. Because I believe it's against our constitutional rights. I'm a constitutionalist, and I don't want anything ever interfering with my constitutional rights. We have a right to uh, make a living. We have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And to, uh, like I said, make a living. And I don't think even, I I mean, we obviously, there was a need for educating the public on how to deal with this coronavirus. I think the last six to eight weeks have been a huge lesson for most of us. Most of us understand that we can't touch our face. We have to wash our hands. And uh, we may elect to wear a a face mask out in public. But I don't think any of those things have to be uh, forced. I think it goes against our Constitution. So would I support a restaurant opening up and, and resuming normal operations? Yes, providing they took every precaution that they possibly could to keep people safe. I think as a citizen of the United States, it's my right to risk my life. It's not my right to risk anyone else's. I'm not going to go see my dad, who's who's up in his higher 80s and compromised immune system. We have to be smart, but we also can't stay in COVID school until the end of until the end of 2020 in in, in anticipating uh, an uptick in the fall or we have to we have to put in place what we can protective measures. But essentially, we can't throw away the baby with the bathwater either. If the public objects to it, they don't have to go to the restaurant. They, right? they, they have a right, and that's how right. I feel. Like mm-hmm. if, if you're compromised, you have a right to stay home. You're not going to be penalized from your employer. You're not going to. Th- those safeguards are already put in place by by our national government. So we we have a choice. And every time we take us, we allow a little bit more and a little bit more of our constitutional rights to be taken away. Pretty soon, we're going to look like Venezuela. And not America, you know? Paul Luber, fiscal advisor. Um, his, uh, I guess it, 
for lack of a better term, say his contract ended back March nineteenth, back, back in March. Mm-hmm. Before we uh, tackle our emailer, uh, my my question was, um, uh, how do you feel that the the mayor needs um, somebody beyond that March uh, exper- ex- uh, expiration? Uh, she's she's paying him. Uh, I think he's the guy doing the budget. I'm not sure, but it sure that would be uh, something to keep him busy in City Hall. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, well, what's your, what's your position on Mr. Luber? Period. Before we get to the email. Well, I mean, obviously, personally, I have no no axe to grind. I, he's probably a wonderful man. There's no doubt about that. But I do not agree with the ninety thousand dollar expense of his salary. No, I don't think we need him. Mm-hmm. Nope. I think we we have plenty of people in place. Now. I don't know if I misunderstand government, uh, but could somebody just, a uh, member of the council, introduce uh, an ordinance and just uh, uh, fire somebody? Um, uh, can you can you undo a position? We can by defund- override the mayor. We can do it by defunding, but the issue is that our charter allows um, the administration. Let, let's say, for example, um, there's a, a a position available in planning. And there's, let's say, $90,000 hanging out there because there's a position that's not funded. Per our charter, the administration can take that money and move it into a different position. So that's where the the waters get a little bit muddied. I mean, you, you can keep defunding and defunding, but then it becomes a game of cat and mouse. So that's that's where we're at as far as this position goes. If there's money to fund it, then, then yeah, and you can find money in the budget through, through um, empty positions. Mm-hmm. It's there. Emailer, I believe the larger question, back to the restaurant issue, I believe the larger question is how many people are going to be reluctant to eat out? Well, um, I know I'm not reluctant. I um, am hoping that uh, maybe I can uh, get a chance to go to a restaurant real soon and it doesn't seem to be a problem for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess to uh, this emailer, it uh, depends on who you are, right? <laughs> it, and you have the right to choose. Mm-hmm. We all have the right to choose. It, it, but for me, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like everyone else is pretty much, uh, I know, saying the same thing. How can we go to Walmart? How, how come we can go to Lowe's? How come we can go here, there, and everywhere, but we can't sit down at a table six feet apart? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. You, you Pull the trigger. Now, there are some people during this um, situation who have not even left the house for that. I mean, yes. so, the, so the reaction of people varies from person to person. Some people are, they're still clustered. They're still um, quarantined. By them, and then and this, they, and they impose okay. this on themselves. And that's okay. Right. I get it. I mean, I, I was telling you earlier. I have a daughter who's a nurse at Rhode Island Hospital. Mm-hmm. She she fills me in daily. And yes, the COVID virus is very very real. Mm-hmm. I, there's no doubt about that. But as a, as a citizen, if you are in that compromised position, you have a right to lock yourself down mm-hmm. without penalty. It. it so why wouldn't you do that? But why would you say to somebody who is not compromised, who has very little, almost no risk to, to contracting the virus, especially if you, if you put the safeguards in place, why would you say that you can go to Walmart, but, but you can't go sit down and have a meal at Fazzini's? It, it just, it, for me, it just doesn't compute. 
All right. So the answer to uh, the question, sir, is that uh, there are some people who, um, well, first of all, there are some people who don't go out to eat. Period. Period end. <laughs> yes. Right. They don't. I mean, they just they just stay at home and eat every meal at home. And they hey, right. okay. And, you and, know? Then, and then there's the, what we call the restaurant crowd. I I would imagine when you operated the burrito company, there is what we call a restaurant crowd. They enjoy going out. They could cook at home, of course, but they like the the sociability of uh, the atmosphere of a restaurant. Well, I think that that's that is that's the bigger portion of the restaurant industry is the socialization. Sometimes people don't talk to people for an entire week. They're all by themselves. But when they go and they sit in that restaurant on Thursday nights, they feel like they're with family and friends. We've taken that away from people. They, they no longer have that. You're not, gonna, you're not going to, to sit and chat in Walmart. But you, but you have that capability in a restaurant, even if it's at a distance. You, you relax with people. Food unites. I've said that all the time from day one. We, it, there's much more than food provided through the culinary industry, much more. I can think of um, one of your customers that we know <laughs> that uh, used to sit uh, in the corner, um, local businessman. Remember him? Mr. Gibbs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, sure. you, and you could see when he came in, it was, um, uh, you know, he would sit by himself, but it was, uh, it was a place of comfort for him. Yeah, it was. Um, mm-hmm. It was his. You know, he was zoning over there. You know, or chatting, yeah. chatting it up with me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he would hold court there. Oh, we yeah. solved all the world's problems at that end of the bar. Trust right. me. <laughs> We're talking about Scott Gibbs, uh, who um, who uh, is now working for the city. I know. I saw him on the screen last night. <laughs> all right. Here's a, let's get to that uh, uh, elongated question here from Bill. Yeah. Uh, who uh, had a whole bunch of things, uh, but anyway, he was concerned about um, about the budget. the hearings uh, for the budget hearings and um, public comment uh, when you uh, when you have it uh, and and when the council finally makes all its amendments to the budget and so forth. It uh, looks like Bill wants a wants a say in the proceedings. Well, I think that that's pretty much why there we're. We're all accessible. I don't. I don't know that um, we would want to have a public meeting after the council amends because the obviously the process is already long. The the process would be elongated even even more so. So I would tell Bill, please email your counselors because that is extremely effective when deal when when we go through the budget process. I know I go through all my emails and I. I see what people are saying and wanting and, and where they want their, what they want addressed. Email your counselors. That's the key to getting to us, especially after you, you've seen the, the, the administration's budget, the proposed budget. Talk to us. That's how you can relate, how you can get your message across. And I would tell Bill, that's why we, we hired you as council members, right. because in some communities like Bellingham, for instance, uh, they have a town annual town meeting, mm-hmm. and the town participates in help putting the budget together. But that's not the way it works in a city like Woonsocket. We no. we hire a city council, um, and we have a mayor prepare a budget. The city council reviews it. Uh, the public has their comment. Mm-hmm. The city council hears that, and then they finally put uh, the final package together. That's plus. I mean, you take take the a way look we at do our, it. Yeah, and take a look at our council. I, I have a lot of confidence in our council. We have we have some. People who are experts in that field working on our budget. 
You always wonder who writes the emails when they uh, finish off uh, the question with um, or the email. Um, the restaurant um, wavering of the fee for next year done by resolution, not by ordinance. Please check and verify if it was done correctly. We have a legal department that does that. <laughs> All right. And and that was actually why we Bill, had Bill, I wonder who you are. <laughs> that that's why we had to put the um the four hundred dollar fee in there. Because we did not want to step on any Rhode Island You mean the forty dollar fee? Well no, um the what the state law says is that you have well you shall which is you know leaves a lot of room for interpretation legally, but you shall or doesn't, depending on how you look at it. Charge between four hundred dollars and two thousand dollars for the fee for for the liquor licensing fee. So, in order to make sure that we were compliant with Rhode Island law, we said, "Okay, bring us a check for four hundred dollars and just ask for a refund, and we'll give you the check back." So that everything is is in line with Rhode Island general laws, and and it, everything goes through legal before it it hits the agenda. So let's grab a phone call here. Hello, your comment, please, for Denise. Yeah. Hi. I'm an essential worker, and I've been working through this entire thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at day zero, I'm going to call it day zero, some guy comes in. He, he's gone. He's gone. He tested positive for the corona virus. Mm-hmm. But he was exposed to a friend. The reason why he was tested is he was exposed to a friend of his who was tested positive. But understand, that happened 14 days prior. I mean, a guy who was exposed to someone who did test positive. He didn't know about it for two weeks, and then he tested positive. In the meantime, I work five feet away from this guy without a mask on because where I'm working, we wear masks. But when we're sitting at our actual bench, because we use protective eyewear and such like that, it clouds some. You just can't work with it. Okay. Okay. So for 14 days, I, I was five feet apart. We, did, we were on the opposite benches, so he was actually facing away from me. But still, we were crossing each other, talking to each other with the mask on, mm-hmm. sitting five feet apart for 14 days. And then and they found out they made me go home and get tested. Mm. And I test negative. So we have a but council. Six- hold on a second. We have a council member sitting in front of me here in the studio of the Woonsocket City Council. Is there a yes. question coming up? that she could actually uh, respond to that would uh, address what you're talking about? Or is this a general discussion that you're having when I have a guest on the program? Well, I'm just making a statement. When she says there's plenty of room that we could safely go into the restaurants, my experience is I'm backing her up. Yes, because I'm working every day next to someone with the virus for 14 days, and I didn't get it. So if you're sitting six feet apart from someone in a restaurant, there's no, no practical danger. I'm calling in support. Okay. <laughs> Thank no, I you. Get it. Okay. Thank you. All right. We're both smiling now. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. <laughs> okay. Have a good day. All right. I get it now. Me too. It's yeah. all clear. Thank you. That's it's awesome. It's all clear yeah. to me. Uh, Denise Sierra is with us. Anything, um, you have the council agenda. Yep. Just give it a quick look. Anything else? Because I'm going to ask you some uh, questions uh, going in another direction in a few seconds, unrelated to last night's council meeting. Anything on that agenda that should be mentioned? Um, I No, I think we've exhausted right. the, that. Right. A lot of it. Oh, somebody's calling me on my cell phone. Uh-oh. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> He's 
supposed to turn it down. Yes, I'm supposed to. I don't know. <laughs> yes. I was a bad boy this morning. <laughs> You're not it's following a, the rules. We're going to throw you in jail, give you right, a $2,000 fine. <laughs> right, it's one of my advertisers calling. All right. Um, oh, yeah, and how bad, badly does it affect your business yeah. at the restaurants on In Business, Roger? Uh, well, Can we it, talk about the, yeah. all, all the subsidiaries? Yeah, the sure, suffering? absolutely. It affects, uh, it affects a lot. It affects the uh, radio and television industry. Newspaper. Right, even Facebook is getting affected yep. uh, by it. Now, every advertising medium... Uh, is uh, feeling the pains uh, of it. And how about the food distributors, mm. yep. <laughs> truckers, everything? Well, it's I mean, a trickle-down effect. There's no yeah, question about it. It affects every business. All right. Uh, so if there's nothing else uh, on the agenda, then we'll move on to other matters. All right. Sure. So she's saying, where is he going to go with the uh, next uh, question? Uh, John Brian. Yep. You, you know him? I sure do. Went to school with him. He has uh, decided to run for mayor of the city of Woonsocket. This is May the 19th. The election is in November, and uh, and I I thought about uh, thought about this. Um, the guy announces before the virus uh, mm-hmm. hits, and what does a candidate do? Not that you're an advisor uh, to him. I'm sure you chat with him, but what is a candidate to do to uh, try to uh, overcome the situation and get the his or her message across. This is a unique situation, not only for John Brian. For, for, for the mayor, current yeah, mayor, too. Yeah. yeah, and for Denise, too. I for mean, all uh, of us. Right, all uh, of us running for re-election. Right. What a bizarre situation. Any yes. comments? Well, I think the only answer is you have to you have to utilize your other outlets, such as social media, such as the mail, the United States mail, um, advertising, obviously, on radio. You can come in and record here. There's, what, two people? We're pretty... We, we're well in line with the restrictions. Yeah, we keep it to a minimum. Yep, and I think that that's what you have to do. You, ha- but that's also an expensive process. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more money. And how are you going to have fundraisers? I'm thinking about how we're going to have our signing parties. Mm-hmm. How do, how do we get our signatures? Like that's that in itself. Like I, I'm not sure how all of that is going to work. It has to be done to I think through through media. Mm-hmm. But again, that comes at a cost because nobody does that for free. And then there's um, a bunch of people out there who uh, are not on social media, yep. who are a good part of uh, what I would call the uh, the electorate. They're, they're, they're the people Ooh, that yes. um, that vote, but uh, they have a traditional way of doing it. They they do they sign the papers for the candidates, yep. and they go to the polls and, and vote. Uh, what are we going to do about those folks? I think that's newspaper and radio mm-hmm. that you reach. Um, and it's really... Door to door, if you can stay at a distance. What other options are there? None. <laughs> Gina Raimondo characterized her, um, her, shall we say, handling of the situation. Uh, before you begin, I'll actually give you my opinion a little bit. Uh, first two weeks, I thought she was, uh, I was giving her an A mm-hmm. for the job that she did. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just the nature of the beast here that we're dealing with, no matter who is in charge. Uh, if you're trying to keep people safe and, and trying to uh, um, be a governor at the same time, uh, uh, maybe the two are going to conflict with each other. Anyway, your evaluation of her. I'm of similar ilk. I thought initially she did great, um, keeping us aware with the press conferences and educating us as far as um, what we need to do to stay safe. But I think it's been way too long for Rhode Island. We don't have the cases that New York and New Jersey have, we I think that it needs to be handled case by case, and we're such a small state that uh, 
I really wish she would hurry these phases along a little bit more. Um, I think it's it's been delayed too long. Dave LaHousse uh, was talking about an issue, uh, and that's the $600 a week that uh, Ugh, workers have been getting through unemployment. <gasps> this is the federal That's federal, in. and I'll tell you, that scares the bejeejees out of me because I dealt with that in 2008 and 2009 as a restaurateur. Jack Reed wants to reinstitute no. this. No. Isn't it? No. That will kill business. That will crush because you can't what compete is, with free. What is wrong no. with that man? You cannot. That's insanity. I, I do not agree with that at all. I I don't even like the six hundred bucks a week. How do you employ somebody as a server or a bartender when they can sit at home and make eight hundred and change a week? They're not going to want to come back to work. This is a, that's exactly the same situation we had in two hundred eight and two hundred nine after the real estate crisis when everybody was out of work, nobody had any money, they, everyone was losing their homes. I was competing with unemployment as an employer. I couldn't. I, I think we had this conversation. People would come back to work for two weeks. It was just enough time to reinstitute their unemployment. They would work great for two weeks, and then they just didn't show up. They didn't show up because unemployment paid better. No, we cannot do that. I would never advocate for that. Well, that's what uh, the Democrats have proposed in their new uh, package. But it I looks know. like um, at the end of the news story that I read today, it looks like the uh, proposal is dead uh, in the Senate. And... Uh, and anyway, we have time for one more call, and then we're going to have to say goodbye to you. Hello there. Your comment? Whoops. Hello. Good yep. morning. Um, yep. I just had a question for Denise, or Hi. maybe more of a comment. Um, you just mentioned the $600. I, mm-hmm. and up until the other day, I didn't realize that was per week. I thought that was just a one-time payoff. For- <laughs> no, that's a 1200 <laughs> that, That's amazing to me that it's ridiculous. I can't even believe that people think that that's right. Um but when industries start to open, mm-hmm. if you call people back to work and they refuse, can you kick them off? Can they be kicked off of the unemployment and not get that $600 a week? You know, I am not exactly sure. I, I think as far as unemployment goes, and, I, and I'm just going back to my days as an employer, okay? Um, you even, like say for example, if I fired someone, they could collect unemployment, but there was just a waiting period that was instituted. Um, I don't know if it works the same in this case because this is all relatively new. Um, so I'm not, I, I really am not sure what the exact answer to that is. But I would certainly hope if you refuse your job, you wouldn't be entitled to collect that. Although I, I'm not 100% confident that that is the, the truth of the matter here. And I do think it has an expiration date. Yes. And the, the, the real issue is whether uh, uh, you know, a clown like Jack Reed could get it renewed. Mm-hmm. Then that would, that's like, uh, you might as well throw a, a stick of dynamite at every rest- restaurant going. In, in any right. small business. Yeah. Any of them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, Right. Where in the industry I serve, um, that I hire people, and I had one part-time person tried to claim unemployment when he was still working here because his mom told him he could get an extra six hundred dollars a week. Yeah, it's uh-huh. insane. And it was just such an ignorant thing for him to do. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom he he would do something like that. But it takes all kinds, I guess. <laughs> right, like I said, I, I do think it has a time limit, uh, and then uh, and and again, if it isn't re. Uh, reignited or, or extended, uh, I think uh, then uh, some people will finally go back to work. But I'm, I'm going to have to research that as to how much longer that's going on. But it's a yeah. great windfall. You know, it depends on who you are. If mm-hmm. you're getting the 600 from the from from the feds and also the state 
Yeah, the two and change. Like the, the 800, I think. Yeah. This is a great thing. Mm-hmm. And and on the other hand, if you're if you're uh, an employer, this is uh, going to ruin your business. It's going to it's yep. going to shut you down. Appreciate yep. your call, exactly. sir. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank Have you. A good day. You All too. Right, do. And thank you, Denise, for uh, joining us today. Yeah. Uh, Th- guess you. what? We're out of time. The hour went by so much fast. I really was one worried about content this morning, but why? Uh, we always have something to talk about. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on the Upfront program. Bye bye, everybody. Think, this has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Won't Socket.